0: And again, good morning to our campus in, App- in uh, Stevens Point. Our Appleton group is still scattered about as uh, our Pastor Chris, who was just up here. You guys didn't see him in Appleton, but uh, uh, sharing. There's, we're doing a name change, however, with our Appleton campus. It will, herefore, no longer be referred to as our Appleton campus, but as our Fox Valley campus, because there's a much broader base there in the Fox Valley. So it'll be Celebration Church Fox Valley. woo Thank you for that exciting response. Nah, 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 class, too late now. All right, so um, uh, before we go any further, let's take our offering because uh, just the way things have gone about here, everything's changed so much, we don't hand buckets and stuff like that. So we just want to pause for a minute and uh, have most of you give online. Uh, still, a lot do give uh, by check. Uh, if you're in our campus meeting, you can put a check uh, on the register or what do you call it? Guest services or I think here, do we have buckets on the way out? I don't know, I just work here. And, uh, and uh, you know, you can put it in that way or some people mail it in, which is very nice. But most people go give online. So if you will go, if you're watching on our website, celebrationchurch.tv, and by the way, all of you on Facebook, we really wish you'd go over to the main website. It's a more interactive experience. One of our pastors is there. He'll interact with you if you have any questions along the way. Uh, any prayer requests that you might have. Anyway, there's a, a button there, church at home slash give, uh, and then you can give uh, now at that time. Or a lot of you can give uh, via text, all right? The way that works is you're going to send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number you're going to text to. If you want to do that right here, pick up your phone, don't talk to your friends. Offering time, all right? 77977. And then in the message, put, uh, CCWI, Celebration Church Wisconsin, and then the amount that you want to give, all right? So if you do that right now, and if you are watching, we have a lot of people at home. Actually, most of our people are still at home. Uh, we have several hundred people here, maybe four or five hundred this morning. Uh, more and more are coming. But um, 1,200, 1,500 are still, still at home, which is fine. Whatever you're comfortable with. We're glad that you are still connected. Uh, but make sure that you also stay connected financially. And there's people who give, who consider Celebration Church their church all over the country, even in the world. And if that's you, make sure you give as well, okay? Just because you're not in the building doesn't mean you shouldn't give. Because Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. And most of us want things to be given to us, all right? So anyway, during this uh, COVID thing, if y'all just continue to do what you're comfortable with, those of you who gather here, those of you who stay at home, some ask, can I come? Is it okay if I wear a mask? absolutely. You can wear a mask. Some people wear masks uh, that come here. Some of our musicians wear masks. It's just fine. Whatever you're comfortable with. I don't wear one, but that's just me. Okay? Now, if I get it and I die from it, I promise you, the last thoughts going through my mind as I take my last breath will be, I should have worn a mask. Alright? But it is what it is. Alright? It is what it is. So, just whatever you're comfortable with. Everybody has extreme opinions on this. If you doubt that, Make a comment on Facebook <laughs> and see how many people want to kill you for your opinion. One way or the other, people are crazy today. Which uh, brings me to my next thought this morning before I even get into my sermon, is uh, we live in a culture today of offense. You've noticed this, right? People love to be offended. And, uh, uh, but the truth is there is no greater group of people who are tuned into offense. We, we, we push it off on the millennials and, and stuff today. I promise you, since I've been a Christian for the last 40, 50 years, the greatest group of people who love to celebrate offense are church people who get their feelings hurt all the time about something. I could go speak at some conference, 2,000 people are laughing, cheering, giving me standing ovations, telling me I saved their marriage, and if five people are ticked off at what I said, they'll never have me back. They don't care that 2,000 people were helped. Five, because why? We focus on the offense. All the time. (laughs) All that kind of nonsense. And it's just insane today. Uh, Now, I say that because sometimes we have guest speakers that speak at our church. And sometimes they'll say things that'll get people upset. And listen to me. Practice not getting upset. We should have to work at kicking you off. Seriously. Okay, we, we all know people pretty much. There's always that one guy that nobody likes, you know? And you do everything you can to try and communicate to them, we don't like you, and they don't pick up on it. And they just keep coming all the time. I'm not, talk- not talking about you, Corey. All right, okay, so. And you keep dropping hits and they keep coming. That's the way we should be. These are people who seem to be completely clueless. They don't get it, they don't look for offense, they can't imagine anybody's ticked off by it. Man, practice that. So I don't like somebody. Look. We have all kinds of different people that speak in the pulpit here at Celebration Church. We have Methodists that speak. We have Episcopalians that speak. We have Calvinists that speak. All kinds of different people. They're gonna think and believe. There's people on the left politically, people on the right politically. I don't care. Somebody says something you don't like, suck it up. Everybody say suck it up. For the love of heaven. Quit freaking out about everything. Thank you. I just had to get off my chest. Uh, One one other thing before we, we go today. Pastor Mark's going to the organ. There's a young lady in our congregation today. It's her birthday. Her name is Deanna. Let's sing to her. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Deanna. celebration of her 39th birthday <laughs> praise the Lord another anniversary of her 39th birthday anyway alright this morning looking at Genesis the 28th chapter verse 10 Jacob left Beersheba it's just outside of Kribbitz, and went towards Haran he came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set taking one of the stones of the place he put it under his head to lay down in that place talk about camping and you're reaching for, oh, here's a comfortable rock. Yeah, you know, that's hardcore. My idea of camping is the top floor at the local Hilton. Anyway, he dreamed, he fell asleep, and he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reached into heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Actually, it's a prophecy concerning that eventually all Gentiles would come to faith. Initially, this was all just for the Jews. But he says, eventually, all people of the earth will be blessed. And that includes us here because of faith in Christ. He says, know that I am with you and I will keep you uh, wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This morning I want to talk about when God shows up and you didn't know it. Or perhaps when you think God has left and you didn't realize he was there it's so easy in the midst of trials and tribulations of this life and there's quite a few uh, to feel sometimes like god has gone awol you know what awol means that's a military term for you younger people awol it means absent without leave you're in the military and you just take off <laughs> they don't like it <laughs> and they will arrest you and throw you in the brig it's not a pretty thing you can't just go awol some people sometimes think that God is going AWOL on them because they just don't feel God. And the greater your struggles and the greater your tribulations, the more it feels like God is very, very far away from you. But the key to dealing with this is to be aware that if you feel God is absent, that it is just your feelings. It doesn't affect reality. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, before Jesus, after he'd been... Uh, crucified and resurrected before he it into heaven, he says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, why does he got to say this? Because people forget. You know, people are really bad at remembering good things. But they're amazing at remembering bad things. Somebody ticks you off. Somebody says something. Man, you remember that till the day you die. You remember exactly the situation where you were. The barometric pressure was 29.86. <laughs> when was out of the south, southwest at three miles per hour? You remember everything about that day. Man, I got to tell you, you got to learn to forget bad stuff. Somebody say <laughs> amen. amen. Learn to forget and remember the good stuff. And there's something about people, or just our sinful nature, we forget important things. That's why Jesus said, remember. What are we supposed to remember? What are we supposed to remember? He says, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 35, we read this. Paul writes, he says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress? or A lot of us would just stop there and say, yeah, <laughs> that'll separate me from the love of God. No, it doesn't. Even when you're going through really, really hard times. Even when you're going through very difficult trying times, even when financially it seems like you're going to be disaster, maybe physically it feels like you're not going to make it, you have to remember, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Not hardship or distress or persecution, he says, or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, got to throw politicians in there, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. He is teaching us, man, nothing will separate it. But the thing is, is when we're going through hard times, we feel like that is separating us from God and that God is a million miles away. And, uh, and we suddenly wake up like Jacob and go, oh, God was in this, place. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, I'm not quite sure who wrote Hebrews, but uh, 13th chapter, verse five, the writer writes, keep your lives free from the love of money, 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 money. And be content with what you have. Everybody say, be content. Be content. Why? Because he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Here's the thing. Why does he talk about money here? Because we think money will make us safe. Everybody thinks that, right? Gee, if I just had more money, I'll be safe. But you got to know something. You have all the money. in the world, It's still not going to keep you safe. And there's people that are just stressed out about money. And listen, you need to be smart about money. Don't be stupid and you want to plan for the future and all those things, but don't be obsessed by this. If you're worried and freaking out about money at this point, man, I know 20-something years old that are just freaked out and panicked because of the money they're going to have when they retire. Oh, good Lord, you got decades to go yet and you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. You want to be smart, But if you're obsessed, if you're fearful, you're in a bad place. And the reason we're fearful is because without money, we won't be safe. And what he's saying is, look, Jesus said, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if he'll never leave you or never forsake you, you are safe. Hallelujah. Money, you think money will make you safe? It won't make you safe. And he says, and be content with what you have. Now, doesn't mean you can get better stuff. I thank God I have better stuff than I had 30 years ago. That's the thing about the longer in life, a lot of men my age start acquiring certain toys, be just because they can. <laughs> I say, well, it's easy for you, so You got the. I was happy when I didn't have anything. I was when Deb and I first got married. Our first house, our first house, was an eight by ten tent. You Mean for a weekend? No, like the first three years. We were hippies. Y'all remember hippies? We were hippies. Praise the Lord. It was for Jesus. And then we stepped up to actually a real apartment. It was radical. <laughs> you know? And, just, and so on. just be happy. Just be happy. Learn to be happy. Be content with what you have. And then God will bless you with more stuff. Praise the Lord. And when you get more stuff, be happy with what you got. Quit obsessing about things. Why? That stuff's not going to make you safe anyway. The only thing that will make you safe is God. And the good news is if you let him work in you and put your trust in him, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's how you really feel safe. Look, sometimes God allows things to happen to us that we don't understand. And sometimes it's worse than allow. He actually orchestrates it. Now, I don't know which is which, and that's just the life of faith. And you just got to trust God. Whether it's external forces that are putting you through the pit or God himself dragging you through the pit, just relax God is with you, and it can seem sometimes when you're doing this that God is absent. Until you realize He's been right there with you the whole time. You wake up like Jacob. And say, God's been here. I didn't know it. In the very circumstances that brought uh, me to Green Bay some years ago, twenty some years ago, I uh, was in ministry as a young man uh, in my twenties, and by the time I hit thirty, I thought, "This is awful. I hate this." I did, I didn't like it at all. Nobody listened to me. Of course, if you knew me then, you wouldn't listen to me either. But anyway, you know, and I was young, and I looked like I was 12 years old. And it's hard to trust a pastor who looks like he's 12, and I get that. It pays off for me now, all right? But anyway, praise the Lord. I'm just now getting the point I can grow a beard. It's only taken 65 years, praise the Lord. But uh, so I, I tend to look younger than I am by several decades. Anyway, so I, I got frustrated and I quit. I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I just. So I got, we stayed involved in the church. It's not like we became crackheads or something. You know, We stayed involved in the church and volunteered. And all that kind of, but I just wasn't a pastor anymore. And I started a business and we worked our business and we worked it hard and we built it over some 20 years and we were doing really well and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, everything started drying up. And I didn't know why and you pray, and you you know what, you talk about something, you just pray, and you pray, and you pray God will change something, and he doesn't change it. The where's God? It just kept getting worse and worse, and I I finally told my wife Deb, I says, I don't think this is going to work anymore. I says, maybe, the only other thing I knew to do is to go back into ministry. It's the only other thing I knew. The problem was, I'd been out of ministry for 20 years, and in the ministry world, it's kind of a who you know world. (laughs) It really is. Too much so in some denominations. Uh, But, um, you know, I didn't know anybody. And the only guy I remembered was Arnie Jacobson, Pastor Arnie Jacobson, who I'd met once. And I knew he was in Green Bay. And I sent him a letter. And I says, Pastor Arnie, do you know anybody who could use a Puerto Rican piano player? (laughs) That's literally the message I sent him. And he calls me up on the phone right away. He says, I can. I'll take you. Just like that, he hired me. And... So I came to Green Bay and that was it. And I came here and I was the keyboard player. Some of you guys remember those days. That's what I did. I was playing the organ like I was just a little while ago. And I loved it, I was happy, as content. Be happy. Don't live in the world of I'd rather be. Oh, I can't be happy till I preach. Oh, I can't be happy till somebody recognizes. No, I can't be happy. No, just be happy. And I was, and I was here for a year or two. One day we're walking along and Pastor Arnie says, hey Gunger, you ever preach? I went, I don't know. I guess I can. I don't know. He said, well, I was just speak at our men's conference. Gathering on Saturday morning. So I did. And then he started having me on Wednesday nights. and he had me on Sunday mornings. And, you know, boom, boom, boom. Everything was changing so quickly in my life. One day in staff meeting, Pastor Arnie said, who wants to deal with couples? Because they were driving him crazy. I know this feeling to this day, okay? But uh, he, he had other things that it wasn't his main thing. He just said, Who wants to deal with couples? I can't take it anymore. And nobody raised their hand. And I went, I guess I will. You know, had free time. You know, there was no voices. People would say, I'm so glad God spoke to you to help couples. He didn't speak to me to help couples. Nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we started having, we started meeting, you know, and if you can get 10, 20 couples together, you're you're doing amazing, you know? We do a thing, I'd have 350 people packing out rooms. I'd never experienced anything like it. It shocked me. It shocked Pastor Arnie. One day we were walking along, it was like right in front of here. And and uh, he said to me, He says, Gunger, you ought to take this marriage thing out on the road. I said, Who wanted to listen to me? And I'll never stop. He stopped. I'll never forget, he stopped. He looked at me and says, Gunger, have you ever been to a marriage conference? said, yeah. He said, what was it like? I said, it was horrible. He says, that's why they'll come to hear you. So, and then he started making phone calls for me. And And anyway, here I am years later. But at the time, it felt like God was a million miles away. But it's like, you wake up like Jacob and go, God was here. He was here the whole time, but I didn't even realize it. Even when God is, Feels like he's a million miles away he is right there i love this story this is in daniel the third chapter starting at verse 19. this is king nebuchadnezzar he's he was crazy as a bat he was nuts he was one psychotic dictatorial monster and if people didn't do exactly what he'd say he'd kill him and he'd given this decree that he he built this statue of gold or whatever and that when the band would play, everybody had to bow. Didn't, you didn't even know what time they were going to play. All the band was, do, 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 do. And everybody had to bow down and worship. Hulubah, 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 and worship. Except these three Jewish guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow because they're only supposed to worship God. He gets really mad. He threatens them. And they won't do it. And so we pick up the story at uh, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar, this king, was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you get your wife mad. <laughs> and that gleaming angelic look changes to something else you've never seen before. You know? His face distorted. He was so ticked off. So he ordered the furnace. They had this furnace that they threw people in just for the fun of it. But he had this, He ordered the furnace to be heated up to seven times more than it was customary. And he ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the Furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, praise the Lord, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these guys picked him up, and they threw him three men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. And as they're throwing him, they perished. Some of the strongest men he had died in the sea. He was so mad. Now, as you're f- being thrown into this fire, you got to be thinking, God is a long way away from here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, we all want a miracle. Our version of miracle is that we don't get in, have any trouble at all. I'm not preaching. you am preaching to me. I hate being inconvenienced. I, I hate if my french fries are cold. I, it just drives me crazy. I just... I pray for God to show up before I have a problem. Anybody been there? And then when you get the problem, you think, where were you? <laughs> where are you? Well, God is silent. Nothing's happening. God is not delivering them. Everything's going wrong. They're finally bound up. Throw them into the fire first. You got to figure this is it. Verse 24. That king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Rose up quickly. He said to his counsel, wasn't the three guys that we threw into the fire? And said the king, True, O king, you can add. <laughs> and then he like, Well, I see four guys in there walking in the middle of the fire, the not heard, and the fourth one has the appearance of a God. God himself shows up as a throne into the fire and protects them. Personally, I would have voted pre-fire. But God was there just when it felt like God wouldn't be there. God has always been like this. In John's gospel, he writes about Jesus. It says, uh, John, the first chapter, verse 10, he said, he was in the world, talking about Jesus, and the world came into being through him. God himself created the world. He comes into the world and the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. Boy, talk about having an experience like Jacob. God was here. I didn't even know it. Can you imagine? God himself in the flesh right there with him and the vast majority of them had no idea. They completely missed it. But I love this next verse. It says, but, all to, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. say, well, Pastor, why isn't God more prevalent all the time? So we we feel, I don't know. But there's this interesting verse in Isaiah, the 45th chapter, verse 15. Isaiah writes, truly you are a God who hides himself. Oh, God of Israel, the Savior. God likes to play hide and seek. He does. What does that mean? It challenges your faith. You know, it'd be really easy if you, I think what would be really great is if you could actually see God next to you. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Not only can you not see him, it's great when you can feel him, sometimes you can't feel him. And sometimes there's no evidence that he's there at all. He's a God who kind of hides. And why? Our response is not to lose heart, but it's to seek him, to look for him. And it's not this horrible thing. You have to understand, when God plays hide and seek, the game is rigged. It's like when you play hide and seek with a toddler, a two-year-old. You ever play hide and seek with a little one? When you play hide and seek with a little one, you go, okay, close your eyes and count to 10, and you go, one, two, three. You don't run into the basement and hide under a bunch of boxes and cover yourself with cloths. You hide like this. Okay! And he opens his eyes turns on. There you are. Oh, how'd you find me? Right? The game is rigged. You want the little monkey to find you. Well, God does the same thing. He wants you to come looking. And the good news is the game is rigged. He's not going to hide in a way that you can't find him. Because if you will seek him, you will find him. And you'll know that joy that Jacob had when he woke up and said, oh, man, God was here. I didn't even know it. He's been here the whole time. Remember, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And there's not anything in life, not even death, Paul said, much less all the other troubles, COVID included. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. All right, so we're going to get our time of uh, communion this morning. Thank you. So our musicians can uh, wriggle their way back out here uh, as we get ready to take communion together. And in uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes these words, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we're doing. Is whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in the Lord of the Lord in an unworthy will be answerable for the body and the blood of the Lord. He ties this experience of the body and blood. Jesus said, this is my body's blood. Uh, this represents all of this. This is a serious experience. And it brings great blessing into the life of the believer. But he says, don't do it in an unworthy manner. And he goes on, the very next verse, he says, examine yourself. This is a time where you just kind of check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, all right? And an opportunity to kind of reset things uh, and ask God for forgiveness for anything wrong that we've done over the last week. Let me encourage you about this. There's some people for some reason saying they're sorry is the hardest thing in the world to them. It's one of the reasons your relationships struggle so badly because some of you never say you're sorry. Even if you know you're wrong and they know you know you were wrong and you were proven to be wrong, (laughs) they still won't say it. They're sorry. There's something fearful in the heart of so many people. I've never understood this personally, to be honest. I I say sorry very, very often. (laughs) I I feel oftentimes. I've never understood this fear. It's like if I say I'm sorry, it's a sign of weakness. But it's not. When you cannot say you're sorry, that's a sign of weakness. Because if you're... Confident and secure, you can say you're sorry. That's a sign of strength. Anybody can say, You know, man, I'm sorry. Is a person who knows who they are. Is a person who's confident in who they are. They're not insecure about who they are. Man, cultivate that in your life. You say, It's hard for me. Well, practice it. Practice. Start little. Start wherever you can and learn. And if there's one thing that we should be doing constantly with God, is resetting the clock with Him because we all make mistakes. Nobody does this perfectly all the time. We could He's made it possible so we can, but no nobody does. Sin has a way of just grabbing us and pulling us down. So when we gather together like this, before we take communion, we just reset ourselves. And we're going to do that now. Let's bow our heads as I pray a, a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. God, if, if we've sinned against you in any way something we did, something we said, something we thought, something that we didn't do that we should have done. If we haven't loved people like we should, if we haven't been kind even to our own families, Lord, whatever our experience has been, our struggles, our mistakes this week, we come to you now and we ask you to forgive us, to cleanse us for the sake of Jesus Christ, your son, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Have mercy on us Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, we pray. And as our heads are still bowed in an attitude of prayer and kind of examining our own hearts and talking to God, maybe you've never even taken that first step of forgiveness in your life. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Why don't you just do that right now in your own words? Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your life and set things straight with you. If you're watching online, right now. You can do the same thing wherever you're at in your home. Just ask Jesus to come into your life and give you a new start. And if you do that, he will. And you can start to experience the wonderful thing we've been celebrating all morning.